Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Howdy, Dream Cowboys. Welcome back to the seventh episode of the Fan Driven Westworld Recap Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 1, Episode 7, Trompe l'Ole, directed by Frederick E. O. Toy and written by Haley Gross and Jonathan Nolan. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. Optical illusion, huh? Sure. (laughs) I mean, I guess it fits a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, we thought one thing. Uh, Another thing was true. And I believe that's maybe as far as it goes. I mean, I I, I get it. I I don't think it affects all that much. But uh, gosh dang, bunch of stuff happened. We were talking before, and you pointed out that it's the same writer and uh, directing team as the last episode. Right, so it was basically a a movie, a two-part movie from this episode and last episode that this director uh, made probably right in a row. Although, uh, as you pointed out immediately, the tones were pretty different. But wow, this episode, the biggest reveal so far, got a feeling George R. R. Martin's watching and he's like, Damn! Yeah, Ford is playing chess while everyone else is figuring out checkers. They're, uh, they're, everyone else is eating the checkers like a baby would, while Ford is like, checkmate dicks. He, he's not, he's not an old feeble man, James. May not even be a man at all, who knows? I think he is. (laughs) We'll get into it. The episode begins with Bernard being woken up in a hospital by his son Charlie. He reads to him a passage from Alice in Wonderland, and as Charlie's heart monitor begins to go off, it wakes Bernard up, and this has all been a dream. So we get we had two wake-ups in, in the first scene. Yeah, a, a lot of St. Elmo's fire, I believe. Is that the one? Is that the one where everybody, it's all dreaming? I don't know. I don't remember the 80s. I was not alive. Either way, uh, Bernie is reliving the death of his son, which I'm sure is one of its favorite pastimes. Uh, d- dad wake up no 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 you wake up <laughs> crazy kid's dead that's real sad and he's reading him Alice in Wonderland pretty on the nose but you know uh, Bernie is having a nightmare you know who else has nightmares yeah Clementine Fanny Feather best name he's reading to him Alice in Wonderland which is a callback to a few episodes ago when he gives that book to Dolores and he's like oh, I used to read this to my dead son Ford wrote that I used to read this to my dead son. Down in the lab, Bernard is interviewing Hector. Another heretofore unknown administrator comes in and tells him that management, someone in management, needs to use this host immediately. Bernard asks if he's seen Elsie, and he says that Elsie's taken a leave as of yesterday. 
Which is like the only thing we hear from her the entire time. Like, oh, no, no, she is a, a, a leave has happened with her. So she's definitely not taken a leave. Uh, she was like kidnapped or something. Uh, kidnapped is mean. She's not that small. Um, adult napped. She was adult napped. And we don't know where she is. But it is odd that we saw her basically get kidnapped. And then the next thing we hear about her is like, oh, her? She's on leave. Stop asking questions. Yeah, Elsie called in dead today, Bernard. So, Yeah, she called in. We're burying her at the moment. So if we could just move on from this subject, that'd be tight. Dolores, William, and Lawrence are where we left off with them, riding the train and playing some poker. Dolores has very high pants on. She looks great. Dolores is angry with Lawrence, who expresses no regrets about betraying them earlier with the nitroglycerin. In a way that makes him likable again. Outside the train, they see hundreds of skulls impaled on spikes. Lawrence explains that they're in dangerous native territory that can only be passed through by train. Ghost Nation. Which sounds like an EDM band. It sounds like just, (laughs) it sounds like a band of wildlings. Bernard tries to call and then to GPS locate Elsie, but he's unable to do so. He meets with Teresa, who is suspicious of him. She informs him that Charlotte Hale is monitoring the progress of all the teams and that his team is behind schedule. Yeah, there was a dong. Did you see the dong there? There was a dong? Oh, yeah. Quick passing dong, but there was one. It was a fat guy. It was weird, but, like, it exists, so... Dong Watch 2016. Yeah, we're up to like four right now. It's going pretty well. She also says that she knows that Bernard's team has been monitoring hers, and Bernard promises that that's over. Yeah, I don't think it is, but okay. Also, uh, when he says, like, you wanted to see me, and you left abruptly last night, is there something you wanted to tell me? And I was like, yeah. Is there something you want to tell him? Everyone needs to have some more information. Everyone in this conversation, it's, oh my god. Teresa goes to pay a visit to Charlotte Hale, who is currently banging Hector and answers the door naked in what I can only assume is some kind of kinky power play. Yeah, she has a lot of gravitas, I would say. Um, Teresa's like, hey, oh, what's up? What are you guys doing? And Charlotte's like, oh, me? I'm just very hot, and I am having sex with this hot robot, Hector, over here, and uh, we need to talk business. And I like how Bernard was interviewing Hector for important safety and business reasons, and Charlotte Hale was like, yeah, shut that shit down, I need to I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's the hot one, and I only bang the hot ones. Get him over here. Charlotte grills Teresa about the stray incident and about Ford's erotic behavior. Erotic? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ford is getting into it. Charlotte grills Teresa about the stray incident and about Ford's erratic behavior. She also reveals that Delos has no real interest in the park itself, but actually wants some kind of mysterious research data that's being collected in the park. Yeah, you feel like perhaps something that's happening in the park will help a country militarily like some uh there is someone somewhere who is looking to gain more money than westworld is gaining based on the technology that was created by dr ford here and the thing in between between that money 
being made and not being made is just taking all that shit from Dr. Robert Ford. And you get the kind of feeling from this episode that he knows he's being set up and he knows it's him versus the world and he's fighting back. The board is worried that if they force out Ford, he will erase all of that research data out of spite. Right. It's the uh, So this is a thing that is real at companies these days where you have like an IT director who you want to fire, but you have to make sure that you when you fire that IT director, they don't just take their laptop, go to a McDonald's, turn on the Wi-Fi and wipe servers on you. That's a literal thing that happens to businesses every day now and they go through and lose all of their data and they just become so boned so quickly. So they're trying to upload the intellectual data to an off-site location so that the moment they go, you know what, Dr. Robert Ford, we don't need you anymore. And then he wipes it and they're like, well, psych, dude, we have it uploaded somewhere. Didn't even know that was happening. Take it, take it in your face. You suck. Charlotte also has a plan to stage an incident with a host that will help oust Ford, insisting that there must be a blood sacrifice. Perhaps she's trying to create some sabotage. Maeve wakes up and goes to the saloon like normal. She questions Clementine about her hopes and dreams. Clementine says that she doesn't intend to spend her whole life being a hooker in Sweetwater, that she's optimistic about starting a new future somewhere someday. Which is sad. Oh, no, it's it's really sad. Like, Clementine Pennyfeather best name is just trying to be on her loop, man. She's just she's just trying to get things done and, and, and have you know, string free sex with hosts and, and Maeve, when Maeve walks into the saloon and the player piano is going, which gosh, I need to look up what song was being played by the player piano. I'm not sure at the moment, but Maeve just like goes to the bar, lets it play for a little while, then turns around and is like, no, and turns the player piano off. Like that's the first to like the true, you know, uh, for anyone who used to like or does work retail, they play the same songs over and over again when you work at a retail store and you get to, over time, they just start to drive you insane. I think that's what happened to Maeve, and now she's fully sentient, and she's like, I'm done with this. Suddenly, all the hosts in the saloon freeze, except for Maeve. Some techs walk in, extract Clementine, and leave. And that's her friend! Where are you taking her friend? Like, Clementine has dreams. She just told them to Maeve. Maeve is like, Clementine will never, ever reach those dreams because I know the truth. Pennyfeather, best name, is here with me to stay until we break out of this place. And then they take her friend. Where are they going with her friend? On the train, William Dolores talk about their intentions. William wants to find the kind of adventure in his life that he used to read about as a kid and Dolores just wants to live in the moment. Yeah, Dolores is like, you're supposed to be resting. And he's like, we're on an exploding train, so I can't. And she, uh, Dolores says she feels like the world is a lie. She's never going to go back to the old version of her. She's just kind of reiterating over and over again, this is the new version of her, and you're all going to have to get used to it. And then uh, William basically has his first... Or not his first, but one of his bigger monologues of the season about like, this is what I feel and this place is a living book and I want to find out what it means. 
You know who says that a lot, James? The man in black. Yeah, this is a strong possibility. I think I'm going to have to give up on my one timeline dreams. No, if it's not two, it's three at this point. And William is, or they're at least dropping what either is red herrings or complete, just absolute, pretty straightforward clues that William is the man in black. That being a mirrored line in one of them. And then Dolores is like, I don't want to be a story. I still am just saying lines to let you know that that I'm very independent. And then they were going to kiss. And then William's like, no. Yeah, she leans in to kiss him. He leans back. Tells her that he's got a fiance. And that he can't stay and be with Dolores. She storms off. He follows her and finds her crying in the cargo hold. And then he says, I've been pretending my whole life. My life is built on it. And then he has like a super weird, it's like a second monologue in five minutes. But he's he's mirroring, he's mirroring Dolores' life, he thinks, having to pretend. And the truth where he can be alive, the, the only way to actually find that you know, obviously, is to cheat on his fiance with a robot. Right, yeah, he kisses her and they just begin to go at it in the cargo oh, hold. Things get sensual very quickly. In the lab, Ford meets with Charlotte and Teresa and several other members of the administration team. At the last minute, Bernard also barges in, kind of upset. Yeah, like, what is this meeting about? And they're like, Miss Cullen and Miss Hale have a presentation. And I was like, what do they have a PowerPoint ready? Using Clementine and another host, they plan to demonstrate that the reveries have given hosts independent memories, violent tendencies, and the ability to ignore orders from humans. Right. They're basically just showing Dr. Robert Ford and Bernard something that all of the audience already knows. They instruct a male host to attack Clementine, and then they reset them and supposedly wipe Clementine's memory... But then when they go to reenact the exact same scenario, Clementine preemptively attacks the other host and destroys it before it has a chance to hurt her again. Right. The first time that he just punches her in the face, which is really sad. You don't like to see Clementine Pennyfeather getting the crap beaten out of her. And then she climbs like to the wall where she's looking at everybody in the other room like, why aren't you helping me? And then the second time, she doesn't even let that happen. She she smashes her forehead into the other host's nose immediately and goes for the kill. She knows Kung Fu all of a sudden like Maeve does. And then, there, and that was the second time, and then Stubbs is like, okay, we gotta put an end to this. You know, he's the guy who doesn't like any robots. And uh, when he entered, when he got into the room, I was just like, Stubbs enters the fight. He attempts to deactivate Clementine, but she won't respond to any of his commands, and he's forced to shoot her down. Yeah, he shoots her straight in the chest. And she's like, oh, dang, and and falls over. And then, you know, Charlotte Hale turns around and asks the very poignant question of, like, you turned them into killers, so why? Teresa explains that the Reverie hosts no longer reset properly and hold grudges from previous resets. And because of this, they're malfunctioning in ways that allows them to go rogue. Right, and this is troubling, 
as they they keep going, they keep ripping into Ford and Bernie. Like, and this is also troubling because several texts voiced this to you and you said nothing. So you're in trouble. So what is it? There are only two versions of this where you didn't write this stuff and it's going haywire and bad and you didn't find it. Or you did write it and you're sloppy and you're bad at your job. Actually, Charlotte Hale has a great line where, I mean, she's basically taking all the great lines that Elsie would have where they use the F word. There are now three people in this show who use the F word very well. And that's Lars, Elsie, and Charlotte Hale, who claims that, quote, this level of negligence is fucking breathtaking. Charlotte blames Bernard and fires him on the spot. And in an incredible display of loyalty towards Dr. Robert Ford, Bernard silently takes responsibility and leaves. And then Ford doesn't say anything, which, as I was watching it the first time through, I was like, Ford, say say something about your friend. Save your friend, you dumb idiot. And then he had this, like, smug look on his face, which didn't make any sense to me, but it would in the future. On the train, William wakes up and reaffirms his love for Dolores and declares that the park has awoken him to his true self. Dolores shows him a painting she's drawn of an original landscape that she saw in her dream, which is different from the typical familiar surroundings that she usually paints. Yeah, she's uh, painting the future again. So just you know, let her do that. Keep, let her keep painting the future. It will be fun. She's a prophet. She's basically Jesus. And William has another short dialogue where he claims that what he believed this world was at first when Logan showed it to him was somewhere that pandered to your basic instincts. But now he truly believes that it reveals your deepest self and shows you who you really are, which is something that uh, the man in black says sometimes. They're just, they just keep like, okay, force feeding you. Here's his big spoon right in your mouth. The train screeches to a halt because the Confederales have blocked the track with some rocks and they proceed to shoot up the train with a giant Gatling gun. In response, Lawrence sends out Slim's corpse with a white flag attached and then detonates it, which gives them a chance to escape. Bye again, Slim. Yeah, it's a real bummer that Slim is gone once more. But they had to use him early, you know? I mean, that was not the reason and or version that they were supposed to use Slim for. That There were bigger plans. But they had to get out of this little uh, little tiff with the Confederados, who wanted them very dead and had a railgun. And they were lighting up the entire train. And then, you know, he, they lit them all on fire. But it felt like... It felt like... They were going through, and then once they had to stop, it was like, of course we have to stop. Didn't I tell you? This was definitely something that was going to happen. It makes me wonder logistically. So, okay, Maeve gets shot. Sure, you bring her down to the lab, you take out the bullet, you patch her up. Slim got blown to smithereens. Yeah, they need to remake Slim. Like, completely. And then, out of nowhere, during the 12v2... The guy with the railgun gets an arrow in the back because everything na- <laughs> everything changed when the Ghost Nation attacked. <laughs> Good one. I got that. 
Thanks, I stole it from Reddit. <laughs> yeah, just as our heroes are about to be taken out by the Confederados, the natives, a bunch of native warriors, flank and attack the Confederados, taking them out, conveniently not taking out the main characters. <laughs> yeah, the, everyone that we needed to be alive is still alive. As they escape, we get a large panning shot, a la Lord of the Rings, except for it's not in the mountains, it's in the west. There's some weird CGI, actually, in one of those shots. One of the first versions of CGI that I thought that kind of took me out of the moment. It was like, oh, that wasn't good for a $100 million budget. That was bad. And then they're, like, escaping. And then Dolores is like, wait, predictably, we are just, we figured out exactly where we are. The place that I just drew, probably having something to do with that Blood Arroyo saying that that tiny little uh, girl was talking about earlier and that's written on Armistice's face and body. We're probably very close to where the maze is and or near it because that's where I drew and I have future sight. So that's all just we had to go this way. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, Dolores finds the landscape from her dreams. William agrees to follow her there. Lawrence warns them that no one has ever come back from that place alive. He says something to the effect of you go past that river and you're basically entering uncharted territory. I thought to myself, and and then you get to Roman world. Yeah, and then and then uh, you just enter Westeros immediately. But you made a good point. Th- that was such weak foreshadowing. Oh, I drew this painting of a place I saw in my dream. Five minutes later, oh, it's Seriously. that place I saw in my dream. <laughs> oh, look, it's so perfect. It's it's so immediate. Just uh, just immediate gratification because the American landscape. Uh, the the people in America have attention spans of five seconds long. In the lab, Maeve is being repaired by Felix again. <laughs> you know what? I wrote down immediately, Maeve and her dumb friends are back. She wakes up and demands that they help her rescue Clementine, and she threatens Felix again. And she's like, where's Clementine Pennyfeather? Where is my friend? Find her right now. And so, okay. This is the one storyline that I find annoying. And which is odd because I do actually like it on the surface. The things that are happening on the surface, like I like Felix, I like Sylvester, Maeve I'm okay with some of the time, although she is becoming a little too OP for me. OP is overpowered, by the way, if you're not down with the lingo. And... I still don't like, and I will never like, the basis of this storyline, because I feel like it's flimsy. The moment where she became sentient, they should have just put her intelligence down to zero and be like, okay, let's talk this over. But because we've moved on from there, and because we have now have a super Maeve, that when she actually threatens violence against these two she is actually threatening killing them because she knows kung fu like you just saw clementine pennyfeather best name she just had some like normal reveries and she can beat up a dude and smash a dude in the face Maeve can just grab a scalpel whenever she feels like it and stab a person in the throat and sylvester's throat looks like it needs to be stabbed so again it's the basis of it is real weird i'm not down with it Everything that happens on this storyline has to convince me more and more that it's something that I uh, shouldn't think is stupid. (laughs) But I'm glad Maeve is getting what she wants, I guess. I mean, she's a superhero. She's going to get what she wants. Felix and Sylvester are pretty lucky that Elsie is MIA or else, you know, 
she would probably shut their shit down. But because she's gone, there's nobody with a level head around to hold them responsible anymore. Le- uh, lucky is one way to describe those two human beings. Um, dumb as crap is another one. Felix is very curious. That's like the version that we're supposed to believe. Like the reason this all happened is because Felix got a big bird. His other bird was dying and, and, and bit his friend. But this one, this one, he might be able to change. Curiosity killed Felix the cat. Seriously, they're both cats. Everyone's a cat. Felix takes Maeve up a couple levels and they find Clementine about to be lobotomized by Sylvester as Teresa oversees. Here, watch your friend die. Sylvester hesitates when he sees Maeve but is given no choice. And Maeve watches helplessly as her friend is destroyed. <laughs> she was like, I know it was you. I know you did it. I watched you do it. Your uh, your friend brought me up here to watch you do it, which was a poor choice. Bernard arrives and asks to speak with Teresa alone. They have a lot to talk about. In the hallway, Bernard claims to know that the demonstration was a sham. He confronts her with the knowledge that she's been leaking information to Delos... And he also reveals that there is something deeply wrong with the host programming and that over time their behavior has been evolving unpredictably. She touches his arm and he's like, how dare you? You just fired me. You don't get to touch my arm anymore, lady who I used to hang out with and that I now just told that I know her biggest secret and that I will now also go show you something else I feel like is another big secret. And... Then they left, and I was like, oh, man, he's going to go show her the house. He's going to do the thing that he, he just got fired. Ford didn't stand up for him, and he's still helping his lady out. <laughs> what a nice guy. Yeah, Teresa insists that all the shady shit she's done has just been in the name of protecting the guests and the employees. N- nothing I did is bad. <laughs> and so Bernard... uh asks her to follow him, and he has something to show her. Yeah, completely arbitrarily and for no reason. Back in the tune-up lab, Sylvester's trying to apologize to Maeve, saying that he was forced to destroy Clementine to protect all of them, and if he didn't do it, someone else would have done it, and then it would have raised suspicion. Furious, Maeve demands to be set free. Sylvester says that to attempt such a thing would, for sure, be a suicide mission. She says surviving is just another loop, which is a great line, just not just for this show, but I think for like people's lives, (laughs) surviving is just another loop is a great line. Um, And then she's like, I'm getting out of here. You two are going to help me escape. Uh, Sylvester's obviously like, it's a suicide mission. Everything, including your skin is made to keep you here. Then Maeve has a little mini monologue where she's like, I thought you guys were gods. You're just men. And I know men. You think I'm scared of death? No, but I'm scared of life. Or, like, I'm scared of this weird storyline. You know how many times I've died? I'm great at dying. I'm the best at dying. I've died so many times. You have no idea. Me, A-grade number one dyer. So, then she, you know, threatens them by with murder. She can definitely murder them. So they definitely have to try to help her. Everyone's gonna die. I wonder if Felix is still into Maeve at this point. Or, <laughs> it's getting a little too complicated for me. I mean, I think she keeps threatening bit, to kill me. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, being scared is an aphrodisiac. In the elevator, Teresa explains to Bernard that Dallas was attempting to back up this mysterious research data they're collecting off-site, 
with the stray and with the other satellite uplinks where it would be safe from Ford. Right, where they would be able to usurp Ford in the moment that they're trying to fire him so he doesn't have the ability to wipe everything. Bernard takes her to the home of the unregistered family of hosts, the the Ford bots. But, uh, and everything is dark and creepy, and you're like, gosh, if this sure does look like something bad's gonna happen. He brings her in the house, dark, creepy, nobody's there, where is everybody? And then... When they first get into the house, Bernard explains that this place is totally off the map and is actually impossible to be observed by the registered host. They wouldn't even be able to see this place. No, they're bad at it. Teresa points at a door and says, well, what do you think is behind here? And Bernard's like, oh, what door? What door? I just I just explained something. I gave, I just gave it away. <laughs> Again, it's that... that, that Super quick foreshadowing. Yeah, it's not even super quick foreshadowing. They're just telling us the reveal moments before they're supposed to tell us the reveal. I don't get it. Right, is it foreshadowing if, like, hey, I'm going to punch you in the dick, and then immediately Damn. I punched you in the dick? Like, No, it's not foreshadowing. You just told me what was about to happen. In the basement of the house, they find a small lab which Ford has been using for host creation. A basement that looks kind of familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, it's definitely one of the settings of the Bernard-Dolores interviews. Right, the one where Dolores has her clothes on. Teresa uncovers blueprints for Dolores, Little Boy, Robo-Robbie, and also for Bernard. Oh! Oh, God. He's a host. Bernie's a robot. Everybody knew that. Or at least everybody on Reddit. (laughs) This leads to my favorite moment of the episode where she hands him his own blueprints and he's like, she's like, have you seen these? And he says, oh, doesn't look like anything to me, which is the stock answer that hosts give. Yeah, the uh, reiterating once more, he can't see the door. He can't see his own face on uh, a piece of paper that is, you know, the blueprints to make him. And then she turns around and Ford is there and she says something that I think is the most poignant thing of the episode, where she's like, you're a fucking monster. That's right. Ford arrives and reveals that he's been using Bernard to compromise Teresa. And and then Bernie goes through some shit. He, it really kind of all descends upon him, and he's like, I'm, I'm not one. He said, I'm not one, and I was like, oh my god, this is heartbreaking. I'm not one. I can't be my wife. My my son, he, I was a father. I am a fa- I was a I am a. Oh my god! <laughs> and then Ford is like, "That's enough, Bernard." And then he 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 freezes, and I literally out loud was like, "Oh god!" <laughs> oh, I have all these totally real problems that cost me very real heartache. I, they have to be real. So him jocking, uh, talking to Gina Torres, the per- the lady who is. Uh, plays Zoe in Serenity and played uh, Jeffrey Wright slash Bernard's wife as a hologram had to be cre- completely created by Ford, right? Like, it's a whole ruse to keep Bernard there. I'm sure it never even took place. It's just, Maybe you know. just in his brain? Yeah. Oh, God. His, uh, all of these robots' lives are incredibly tragic, which is, I think, why the, uh, what the show is going to be hopefully, ba- like, 
this is the version, the Bernie version, this story is, I think, objectively better than the Maeve storyline right now. Not because of the reveal, but because he is taking it in a way that is very relatable. He's just devastated. While Maeve is like, let's just um, get me to the place where I can murder everyone. And while that's great, I don't have a lot of empathy for her. I'm just, you know, when she starts killing people, I'll be... I'll be kind of psyched, I guess. But I'll be more psyched when Dolores starts killing people because I like her character better. Although there are some Maeve heads out there, man, who are like 100% on Maeve. Either way, I'm not going to let us get back to this basement because a bunch of stuff just happened. Ford tells Teresa that consciousness is overrated, basically. Oh, God. Like, what a what a feeling to have. That the hosts are free under his control, which is a bit contradictory. No, that's false. You're just, you just like having your slaves, but okie dokie. And that this was all a setup and that it was his idea to have Bernard bring her here. Right. So he has baited Teresa down into a basement. No one knows where it is in the middle of nowhere. And on the right side of that basement within some glass... A 3D printer is currently, like, half done printing a body. And she looks over there, and it's kind of slowly but surely descending upon her. What is happening? Teresa says that the board won't accept this betrayal. And Ford replies that the board isn't in any kind of position to do anything to stop him. And he quotes Charlotte Hale, saying that sometimes there needs to be a blood sacrifice. So, uh, I don't know if Charlotte Hale is ever going to find out exactly what happened here, but I bet, I wonder if she'll feel bad about it. And then he goes, Arnold and I designed every part of this place. Do you really think I would let you take it away from me? And still here, like, while I was watching it, still here, I was like, how does this end? This is so weird for this to be happening. Bernard is just in the background really, like, not, well, he's frozen, but having the existential crisis of a lifetime. But how does this, like, you can't just, like, let her go back now. But, like, what other things can happen? Like, I still just was not there yet. Ford orders Bernard to kill Teresa. And she's, like, real sad about it. (laughs) Yeah, she begs for her life before Bernard dashes her head against the wall. Bernard slowly but surely takes off his tie and jacket because you can't get blood on those things. And... As Bernard comes up to Teresa, her eyes well up and she's realizing that she's uh, she, she's basically part of a hit. Dr. Robert Ford is has a hit out on Teresa and then, you know, executed said hit himself with his slave, Bernard, who has been a robot this entire time. And we just learned that. But, like, not only is she begging for her life because she doesn't want to die... But she's also about to be killed by, and not just killed in a normal way, not being shot, but like beaten to death by her ex-lover, who just unbeknownst to him, led her to her own death. And then once he walks up to her, he just grabs her by the hands, backs her up to the wall, takes her head and smashes it against the wall, killing her as she slides down it. And you saw the terror in her eyes. You know, like, a lot of people get have been giving this actress flack. The one who's playing Teresa for not being very good. 
uh, or being at least the worst actress on the show, I thought she was decent. I never had any complaints about her. And I don't think we're losing her because I think it's pretty straightforward that that 3D printed body on the right side of the room is about to be Teresa. For sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, we can we can move straight along to the theories now. To go along with that, I also think that Charlotte is probably a host. That... Do you think uh, she's a host that Robert Ford uh, made, though? Or, oh, yeah. Think, I mean, I he... guess you have to be, because he makes all of them now. <laughs> he made Charlotte to basically entrap and and more completely fool Teresa. She shows up and she's like, oh, I'm a representative of the board. Not actually. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a host made by Ford to trick you. And that whole demonstration with Clementine, which was Charlotte's idea, I think that was Ford's final test for Teresa to show any kind of loyalty to him, and she failed it. Right. You remember when he had that smug face on when Charlotte Hale fired a robot, you know, she fired Bernie. He's like, and, and uh, Dr. R4 is like, he's not going anywhere. He's a, he's a robot. I, I made him. Uh, he, like When you fire him, he's going to go down to the basement. And he's going to be like, what do I do now? And I'm like, I don't know, just wait a few days. But, you know, he doesn't obviously wait a few days. He has some other stuff he has to do, like bait his ex-girlfriend into a basement so he can murder her. So, but something that happened during the murder was interesting. F- Teresa said, is this what happened to Arnold? You know, like, is this what you did to Arnold? Did you bring him to a basement and murder him with Bernie the robot? And then Dr. Robert Ford said back to her, you know, Bernie wasn't around those in those days. Were you, Bernie? Um, Kind of adding fuel to the Arnold equals Bernie fire, but also adding fire to the... If Bernie wasn't around, he didn't just say... He didn't say in that moment, no, I didn't kill Arnold. He said, Bernie wasn't around during that during that time. You know, he could have been like, no, I'm about to kill you, but I didn't kill Arnold. He didn't say that. Because maybe he did. But, like, he also insinuated in that moment that if he did kill Arnold, he didn't use the help of robots at the time. Maybe he did it himself. The other thing I had written down as the theory, if there are multiple timelines, or if things are just happening out of order, perhaps Bernard is working with Arnold through Dolores to exact his revenge on Ford or to free himself from Ford in some way? Right. At this point, we kind of get the feeling that no person's plans uh no a per like a character who is actually a human being none of their plans are up to par with dr robert ford's plans dr robert ford like i said in the beginning is playing chess while everyone's playing checkers and there is no like there is no person who's come up with a version or a plan that will unseat ford at the moment the only thing that is still looming is the ghost of Arnold. And I think Ford knows that. That's the only thing that could actually bring him down. And then finally, this isn't a theory so much as it is a question, and maybe some of our fans can tweet us or send us an email with their thoughts on this. Are the reveries actually causing this malfunction? Because that seems like it was kind of a ruse perpetrated by Ford. And... Part of that is Arnold's bicameral mind control, which for sure is happening. 
is that related to the reveries or is it a completely separate thing are are the reveries even causing any glitches at all i got the feeling that the reveries was a cover-up by ford because the arnold's bicameral mind thing started happening and ford was like uh-oh arnold's back i gotta tell them something the reason that this is happening oh i put reveries in it's changed them don't you guys feel that and or know that it's crazy how that happened nothing is bad to, uh, my an old ghost friend of mine isn't trying to kill everybody sl- slowly but surely okay yeah that's actually a pretty good resolution that might that might be likely <laughs> that's fine that seems fine what do you got any got any theories for us brady i mean got well, any theories I- for us ryan I'm Ryan. Um, the uh, so I think the one that comes to mind here is whether or not Bernie is Arnold remade. I believe we have a tweet that uh that that pretty that spells out that uh Bernie and Arnold's names are anagrams. Right. We got uh, an email uh last week also that indicated the same. Right, and uh, and we'll we'll shout those uh, those peeps out later during the social media times, but uh, I believe the picture Ford showed Bernard with the third empty slot. Do you remember that? It was a it was a it was a picture that Ford showed Bernard where it felt like there was somebody else in the picture, but Bernard perhaps couldn't see it because it was blocked out. I think it was a few episodes ago, our last episode, but I feel like that was because in the picture was someone who looked exactly like Bernard because Arnold was a recreation of him and he couldn't see him because that's just kind of blocked out. So, which would mean that the conversations we've seen between Bernard and Dolores are from, like, the way, way past where he was first kind of playing around with host consciousness, Arnold, that is, with Dolores. Which is also would prove that it's different timelines, whether it be two or three at this point. And it also proves that Dolores isn't, like, teleporting back and forth between these things. She was just there for both of them, or all of them. And they're all living out this thing where uh, Bernie's been around a long time and is a recreation of Arnold. Now, that might not all be true, but it would feed fire into the two or maybe even three timeline theory and the Bernie equals Arnold theory, obviously. Now, we didn't get too many tweets or emails this week. It's almost as if there were some other important thing that happened. I don't recall or understand anything that you're saying. But we did get a picture that Ryan had just mentioned from at the Pixie Sticks sent us a nice little illustration of how Bernard Lowe's name could be an anagram for the name Arnold Weber. I don't think we have... Do we have confirmed last name for Arnold yet? So it could be Weber. Yeah, I mean, that person wrote it down. I don't know why they would just pick it out of nowhere. But, yeah, I mean, if it is an anagram, again, that is, that's very on the nose. But, you know, right on. Could also be... Rebe. You might be on to something. We also got another tweet from at Mr. Cracknell, who says, Next time on Westworld... And we've got Felix and Sylvester working on a naked Donald Trump host. I have no idea who that is. And then, uh, at KRRMCC sent on November 10th, it feels trivial to tweet today, but your show gave me a brief respite of levity and escapism. Thank you, sad face. 
November 10th was a hard time for a lot of people for a reason I won't mention in this moment. <laughs> and we stand with you. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy face. You happy faces all around. Let's all be happy. <laughs> At R.H. Piercy writes, Clementine flirted with William in episode two. If there's two timelines, does that mean she's been around since the beginning too? Actually, uh, Renee, uh, apparently, not only has she been around since the beginning of the timeline, she's been around since the very inception of the park. Right, and it's been mentioned at some point, I think by Stubbs, that she filled Maeve's role at some point, too. Clementine has been around for a very, very long time, which is uh, why it was real sad today to see her go. I hope she's just not, like, dead-dead, but they basically lobotomized her, you know, as Maeve watched, which is great. And uh, I hope Clementine Pennyfeather best name isn't dead-dead, because she has the best name. Yeah, I think she probably is gone, which is sad because I enjoyed her Aww. character and I liked the actress. But Aww. I do think I think think you're right, Renee. I think Clementine is, is has been around since the beginning. That's sad. At very lovely LJ writes, I think the writers made it a point to show Felix with the bird to show how he is, and that's why he helps Maeve. Yeah, so, exa- exactly. I think that's true. I think I think he had a small little project that was going badly, and then a huge project with with way more on the line dropped into his lap and he was just way over his head immediately. And then, you know, he has no way to actually keep Maeve under wraps and now he can, she can kill him. So way to go, Felix. Also very lovely LJ. The word of the day is, as you might know, because I use the word disconcerting for this show on a pretty constant basis, but uh, she gave me a bunch of other words to use. And the word of the day is unnerving. Did you use that word this episode? No, I didn't. So I had to do it right now because I forgot to use it. But still, you know, when, you know, you know, the unnerving moment um, when Bernard smashed Teresa's head into a wall. At Metaphysfic asks, episode six had the sketchbook I want from Westworld, right? Uh, I think it did. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a pretty cool sketchbook. If you're able to get your hands on it at Metaphysfic, let me know. I, I want one, too. I wonder if HBO will do, like, a a real version of it and sell it for Christmas times. That would be fun. At Akira the Dawn writes, Alice in Wonderland confirmed in that bugger. Yeah, there's a lot of Alice in Wonderland shit going on. I wonder, is that going to have some big payoff in the end, or... I don't know. Also, I feel like callbacks to Alice in Wonderland are so easy. I I enjoy the callbacks every now and again. Bernard reading Alice in Wonderland to his child is just, like, tragic as crap. Because, you know, it's just tragic. It's super tragic. (laughs) And um, I... I hope they use Alice in Wonderland sparingly. I I don't want it to be shoved down our throats. At Very Lovely LJ writes again, I guess I wasn't surprised at the twist at Westworld Ryan called it, but the way they did it, shocked face. You know what? Yeah. You can give us credit for calling it, uh, although uh, basically the the whole of the internet called it, but we'll take that but credit. I'll take 100% of it, and I will share it 50% with James, because I'm a nice guy. At Cherbill 2010 at Westworld Ryan, oh yeah, I have a crackpot theory. Is Ford creating a new Teresa? Almost certainly. Pretty much definitely. At Johnny DeCali, man. Teresa didn't think it was odd that Bernard didn't see the door. Huge hashtag red flag. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that would have been a really weird, a really different scene if he was, if she was like, "What is this? What's behind this door?" And he was like, "What door?" And she was like, "What did you say?" And he was like, "What door? I don't see a door right there." And then she turns around and is like, "Oh, dude, am I about to die?" <laughs> yeah, always ask follow up questions, you guys. Well, this door. Don't you see this door? The one I'm staring. Look at me, Bernard. Hey. Hey, look me in the eyes. Do you see this door? If you don't see this door, we have to leave right now. At Johnny DeCauley also writes, If hosts can have grudges, do you think Bernard is going to have a grudge against Ford? I think so, but it's possible not. Like, it it depends on how special Bernard is. When they looked at Bernard's schematics, he had, like, a full fleshed-out skeleton, which was different from the little boy Ford and from... Dolores's schematic so I wonder is is this just the latest model or is Bernard like the peak of host technology and Ford exercises some greater degree of control on him I don't know during the next week on Westworld the first thing that happens is Bernard asks Ford why did you make me kill her so he remembers and he's almost definitely going to have a grudge in fact you know what would be really cool is if at the end of this, Bernard stabs Ford through the throat and then leads close to him as like, you made me kill my lover, and now I've killed you. Also, I'm a robot. And am I Arnold? Did you let me know if I'm Arnold yet? Before you die, tell me if I'm Arnold. One more from at Johnny DeCali. Did Ford play into the board's hand? He just proved how dangerous hosts can be. I'm going to say no, because I don't even think the board is at the Mesa at this point. I'm pretty sure Charlotte Hale is a Ford plant and that Teresa is going to be pretty seamlessly assimilated into the host collective. And so Ford's just going to make off like a bandit. I don't think that uh, Charlotte Hale is a plant. I hope I think she's a real person, or at least I hope she is. And uh, no, I don't think the board has any upper hand on Dr. Robert Ford. I don't think anybody has the upper hand on Robert Ford. We thought they did, and we were wrong. We got some theories via email this week. Ooh, people use email still, right on. First one comes from Ben A. Hi, love the podcast. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben, you're the best. I think one of you said you're still unsure about the two timeline theory. That was me. I'm James. Mm-hmm. I was a skeptic as well until I rewatched all five episodes this weekend with the timelines in mind. I quickly noticed that there were subtle lens flare effect used in William and Logan scenes as well as in quote-unquote Bernard and Dolores scenes that is associated with dreaming or memory. Hmm. That so could be an actual choice that a director of photography made every time that he had the, he asked the director, so are we in the past or not? Yeah, it reminds me of how in The Sixth Sense, every time that it was hinting at that movie's big twist, there were, the color red was very prominent. So maybe the, the lens flare is like the the color red for the two timelines thing. Yeah, they might as well have had it all be in black and white and have one girl in the background be in a red dress and be like, look, it's... It's the Schindler's List, basically. We we did it, too. We know we know how to do foreshadowing. Also, I love your theory about the falling out between Arnold and Dr. Ford. Their two stated aims would seem to lead there inevitably, and Arnold would want revenge. Yeah, we got more fuel to that fire this episode, where we basically 
hear Dr. Ford spell out like, yeah, consciousness and being sentient. Fuck that. Robot slaves. Exactly. That's how he feels. And you can tell that was the main fight that him and Arnold had. They were on opposite sides of that. And now you have to ask yourself, are two versions of Arnold fighting Ford? Or are two versions of Arnold going to fight Ford? You know, the one that is the bicameral mind and speaking to Dolores to telling telling her to kill everybody, among others. And two, if Arnold is in fact, or if Bernard is in fact a recreation of Arnold and is the kind of robot that, like Maeve, might turn on Dr. Robert Ford, will Dr. Robert Ford's ultimate demise be his best friend the robot who he made to feel and look like his best old best friend who he might have also killed (laughs) we got another email from vince p vince your email is huge and we both read the whole thing i'm going to swear i did it i'm gonna try to now condense it to a smaller version please forgive me if i misrepresent your theory in any way Basically, Vince writes that there are three timelines, which when I first read that, I was like, no, not three timelines. But now I'm I'm ready to believe. Yeah. Uh, He breaks this down into three bullet points. Basically, the first part revolves around Bernard Lowe equals Arnold host. And this was the first time I had actually seen the Arnold Weber bernard lowe thing so i'm not sure if vince came up with that on his own or how long it's been floating around the internet but that was the first time i saw it Mm -hmm. and he says that by creating a false arnold ford is trying to replicate whatever disaster first occurred with the original arnold which is an interesting thought yeah i mean i think the main version of why you make a false arnold is because you, you don't believe, if you're Dr. Robert Ford, and you don't believe anything of what Arnold is saying, you think what Arnold is saying is going to hold the park back, hold you back, because you believe that uh, robots should be slaves, and, and Arnold believes that robots are the better versions of human beings, and we might as well just kill each, each other now, and just let the robots be the, the leaders. If you believe that is dangerous enough, you might kill Arnold, you know something that might have happened in the past, kind of insinuated to this week when Teresa's like, did you do this? And he's like, I don't know, maybe. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's Dr. Robert Ford. You know what you take away from this episode is that he's just a, he's a dick. Vince goes on to say that we've got the two timelines that everyone already knows about. I'm going to refer to them now as the man in black timeline and the William timeline. But then even before that, you've got the third timeline, the first in chronological order, where you've got Bernard, who in this timeline is actually Arnold still alive, talking to Dolores. Right, which I think has merit. Yeah, for sure. And it explains a lot of the times where, you know, Dolores is supposedly with William, but then she's suddenly with Bernard. So that's not happening simultaneously. No, and it could just be happening in Dolores's mind, or Bernard's mind from Arnold's memories, perhaps, or just Bernard's mind from his memories, or just not at all. It could be happening within the subconsciousness of the code. And the third part of his theory is that Wyatt is part of Dr. Robert Ford's, basically his final solution for sentient bots. Wyatt is going to go around and solve this 
this bicameral mind problem by taking out all of the woke robots. I hope that uh, they run into Peter Abernathy 1. Because as you might recall, it was said that Peter Abernathy 1's uh, old character was the head of a, a cannibalistic nation or so, of something to, of that effect. And if they run into an old version of Peter Abernathy, who is running, you know, is doing something else completely. I think that would be a nice little way of, of, uh, kind of letting us into how many timelines there actually are. Vince goes on to point out some cool things about, um, the origin of name meanings and that Teddy flood means like God given flood. So maybe that's some kind of Noah reference. Like, Teddy will purge all of the bad robots, all the sentient robots. Mm, I mean, I I actually think that Teddy Flood is named that because the flood is what happened to take out, like, the critical event to take out the... Uh, so I, what I assume is, you know that church, the the, the chapel that's on, that was black and buried? Hmm. Uh, I think it was on fire. I think the entire town was on fire. It blew up because of all the nitroglycerin that William and Dolores are currently taking to a town right now. It all blows up. And then to put out that fire, a huge flood happens where they let go of a dam. And uh, basically, like it happened in the two towers in Lord of the Rings uh, for Isengard, it puts out that fire. But, you know, 30 years later, that entire burned down village is now kind of just covered. And the reason Teddy Flood is made after that is and named Teddy Flood is because his job is to keep keep Dolores in her loop. Because the fact that Dolores wasn't in her loop was the reason they lost that entire town and the flood happened in the first place. He goes on to point out that El Lazo translates to the loop, which definitely holds some kind of significance. That yeah, was for sure. uh, that was Lawrence's outlaw name. Yeah, and he doesn't give an F. Hector Eshkhtan translates to holder of the final event in the divine plan. So hmm. maybe he's got some part to play in the end game of all this. Other than just being the sex robot for Charlotte Hale. Yeah, there was a lot of really interesting stuff in there, Vince. I think we're going to come to find you vindicated in a lot of these points. I think you're I think you're dead on for a lot of this. So I have a few questions. How many people do you think Ford has just replaced? So we've got Arnold becomes Bernard. Right. Teresa's going to become some other anagram for Teresa Cullen. Dolores could just be a recreation of Arnold's wife, daughter, Ford's wife, daughter. So that could be a recreation of somebody. His whole goddamn family. Yep. He made those five people. Or four people, whatever they are. And who knows? For all you know, you cross Robert Ford, and then you get turned into a host, and then when you're not useful anymore, he puts you in the park, and you're suddenly, you know, deputy, or you're the shoe shine boy. You know, when you murder somebody, one of the biggest things that nobody remembers is, uh, <laughs> I'm talking like I am, like, uh, on the ground floor of, of, of how to murder people. But nobody... Nobody talks about how do you get rid of the body. Um, Dr. Robert Ford doesn't have that problem. He has a whole theme park just to put it wherever he wants. So, Ryan, do you think you could sum up this episode in one word? 
God, um, I mean, probably. <laughs> this was your shot to say unnerving. I set you up. You dropped the ball. Oh, well, I'm not good at ball games. So, yeah, thanks to everybody who tweeted us and wrote in some emails. Keep them coming. We'll, we'll read everything we get. Thank you to everybody who listens. It means a lot if you're just listening. If you want to go the extra mile, you could follow us on Twitter, or you could follow us on SoundCloud, or you could leave us a nice review on iTunes, which will help other people find us. Yeah, and you gotta get you gotta come back next week. We haven't seen Sideburns Trevor in a while. He might be back. Lars didn't do a whole bunch tonight. We didn't even get to see Logan. We don't know what Logan we Logan's still probably pretty mad about that thing William did to him. A bunch of stuff is gonna happen next week. Get everybody, make them watch Westworld the show. We all need to just uh, you know, watch entertainment that makes us forget about reality for a little while and uh, get them all to watch the show and then get them all to come here and hang out with us. It's going to be fun. I was going to make a joke today about how Luke Hemsworth is the only Hemsworth to not work <laughs> with uh, what's this, with uh, Robert Ford is the only way I can think of him now. Arnold, uh, Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> yeah. So, you That's know, true. You know, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth is in with Thor. Yep. Liam is in Westworld. Or no, sorry, Luke is in Westworld. Liam. Yeah. Never got to work uh, with the big dogs. That's because he was an Independence Day resurgence and he's being punished. Because <laughs> that movie sucks. We only have three more episodes left. Shit. I know. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, thanks again, guys. Like I said, keep those tweets coming. We love getting them. Join us next week to watch and review and hang out with Season 1, Episode 8 of Westworld, called Trace Decay. It's going to be directed by Stephen Williams and written by Lisa Joy and Charles Yu. So Lisa Joy's back. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.